today we are still in 2 Corinthians chapter 8, verse 10 through chapter 9, verse 5. Please turn in the holy book. We will pray, read the text, and pick up where I left off last week. Father, thank you. Thank you for taking on the veil of humanity, lowering yourself to us, to have to be cared for by human mother and father. Father, humbling thyself in a way that uh, none of us can perceive, knowing that in your future you would be separated from the Father. Lord, that's overwhelming. Father, as I look at this, Text And I, I see the church in Corinth helping the starving saints in Jerusalem. How your love is poured into the hearts of your people. And when we uh, are strengthened in the inner man, then we do exceedingly abundantly beyond what we could think or imagine. Father, as we look at this, and Father, as we think about this season that we are in, Father, you may you give us clarity that we understand that the greatest gift has already been given. And Father, I pray that your people rest in that gift. And Father, those who do not know that they would receive that gift and burst forth to the glory of the King of kings and Lord of lords. Father, may we grow more in love with you with every breath you grace us. As we prepare to look at your holy word, I beg you, Father, to teach us. In Christ's name, amen. Chapter 8, beginning at verse 10. I give my opinion in this matter, for this is to your advantage, who were the first to begin... A year ago, not only to do this, but also to desire to do it. But now finish doing it also, so that just as there was the readiness to desire it, so there may be also the completion of it by your ability. For if the readiness is present, it is acceptable according to what a person has, not according to what he does not have. For this is not for the ease of others and for your affliction, but by way of equality. At this present time, your abundance being a supply for their need, so that their abundance also may become a supply for your need, that they may be equality. As it is written, he who gathered much did not have too much, and he who gathered little had no lack. But thanks be to God who puts the same earnestness on your behalf in the heart of Titus. For he has not only accepted our appeal, but being himself very earnest, he has gone to you of his own accord. We have sent along with him the brother whose fame in things of the gospel has spread through all of the churches. And not only this, but he is also appointed by the churches to travel with us in this gracious work, which is being administered by us for the glory of the Lord himself and to show our readiness, taking precaution so that no one will discredit us in our administration of this generous gift. For we have regard for what is honorable, not only in the sight of the Lord, but also in the sight of men. We have sent with them our brother, who we have often tested and found diligent in many things, but now even more diligent because of his great confidence in you. As for Titus, he is my partner and my fellow worker among you. As for our brethren, they are messengers of the churches of the glory of Christ. Therefore, openly before the churches, show them the proof of your love and of our reason for boasting about you. For it is superfluous for me to write to you about this ministry to the saint. For I know your readiness of which I boast about you to the Macedonians, namely that Achaia has been prepared since last year and your zeal has stirred up most of them. 
I have sent the brethren in order that our boasting about you may not be an empty in this case, so that as I was saying, you may be prepared. Otherwise, if the Macedonians come with me and find you unprepared, we, not to speak of you, will be put to shame by this confidence. So I thought it necessary to urge the brethren that they would go ahead to you and arrange beforehand your previously promised bountiful gift so that the same would be ready as a bountiful gift and not affected by covetousness. What we're looking at right now is a section that I call integrity. We are every day, every one of us, are trying to be separated from our money. We have charities, we have petitions, we have drives. I have been getting calls this last couple of weeks of people wanting to step up and serve at the soup kitchen during Christmas. And uh, my first thought is, and you know me, well, my first thought is, you know, we ain't done that soup kitchen thing in about six years, eight years. But my second thought is, why are you wanting to serve now? Just a question. I mean, you know, why at Christmas? You know, not that I'm cynical or anything, but I am. And so when, when I think about some of this stuff and I look around and, and we're inundated. I mean, we are absolutely inundated. And we have ministries, we have churches, we have saints. Uh, you know, if you've got kids in school, they've got that bread that they sell now. Uh, they used to sell candy bars, and I guess that's politically incorrect. I go to candy bars. I don't want that bread. But, uh, you know, but they're always wanting to fundraisers. Okay? And I look at this text beginning at chapter 8, 10 through 9, 5. As nine things that I will look at that show integrity in a ministry. In a ministry. Alright? And we've been going through this. And the key issue, I think, in anything is your heart. Okay? It is your heart. What has God laid in your heart? Uh, I've already shared with you that there's no such thing as the tithe. You take care of that on April the 15th. I hope you do, or somewhere before then. If not, I'll come and visit you. But uh, when I, I see it, I, I think about it, and, and I, I think about this church in Corinth and the struggle that they had with Paul, how that had been reconciled, and how a year earlier they had started to gather money on the first of every week to get it all put together so that they can send it with Paul and his associates to Jerusalem for the starving and poor of the church in Jerusalem. It's awesome if you really think about it. We looked at this in, in, in verse 10. You see there that Paul says that it's of my opinion in this matter. Okay, it's not a command. It's my opinion in this matter. But he says it is to your advantage. It is to your advantage. But it has to be voluntary. Okay, why? If your heart's moving you to do it, the desire was there. They didn't go in there and say, let me give you a desire. Okay, it was mentioned to them by Titus. And he says, go ahead and finish it. You had a desire to do it, do it. Which brings you to the next thing. Giving is to be faithful. Finish the project. What is the project? All right, you got to finish it. First part of 11. Finish doing it. Why? If you had the desire to do it, then you should have a desire to finish it. it. Makes sense, doesn't it? You know, if God gets a plan going, it's not like he says, well, I'm just going to get it going, but don't worry about finishing it. That ain't, that ain't the way it works. And yet, isn't it easy for us to get distracted? But you're only to give as one has. I don't think God builds service to the saints on MasterCard. Now, some will tell you that he does. And, you know, I, I was I visited a church this week and uh, <laughs> I, I stood in every room. This thing is massive. Every room is a soundstage. I mean, it's got the lights in the ceiling, you know, the black lights and the spotlights and cords and cables and mixers and amplifiers. And, you know, you see that in one room, you think, well, that's kind of cool. Then you go to the next room, wow, is this? And go to the next room, look, it's got it here. And I'm sitting there going, this is like, you know, 
I don't know, something you see on Broadway. And I thought, you know what? If I had just the money that he's spending lights, wow. Okay, and yeah, I did say it. You know, you know me. <laughs> well, what do you think? I wish I had the money you spent in lights. <laughs> but anyway. <laughs> so, I, you know, because, you know, I, I've got enough electrical background to say, there's serious cash hanging in your ceiling. <laughs> so, um, but, but, you know, I, I just, I, you know, he said, well, you ought to, can you get away for our Christmas service? No. Mm-mm. <laughs> Are you sure? Uh-huh. <laughs> I'm positive. <laughs> so, but, but, you, but you see this, and you see these projects sometimes, and I keep thinking, we give as we have. Okay? And it's not to manipulate people. Uh, you, you know, I'm not going to try to sell you a, a prayer towel, and you write a prayer request on there, and you put a $100 bill on it, send it back to me, and I'll pray for you. Okay, although I did have a guy offer me a, some of money for baptizing him once, and it was kind of a shock. And I was like, "How? How much? Well, I should get me just like a portable baptistry. I could be rich." <laughs> but uh, he gave it to the church. Um, but, but you, you know, give what you have. You know what? Well, you can just look in this room right here. We have a variance of income. Okay, and some make more, some make less. Okay, give according to what you have. But again, it goes back to the issue. If it my, if it's voluntary, it's of my heart. If I'm faithful to it, it's from my heart. If it's what I have, it's from my heart. That's why the widow was, gives a penny, which is about a day's wage at the time, gave more than all. Okay, but it also balances the body. We looked at this over two weeks that you have saints that are in need. Now, in the American church today, we have a, a problem. Uh, it's called egos. Uh, we don't want to ask for help um, for anything. Uh, and uh, God, uh, God broke me of that. If you have that problem, he will break you of that. I, I ain't going to worry about it. Uh, I've watched him. He's very faithful to make sure that your ego doesn't get the best of you. And there are times that we fall on hard times. We may be in need. We had a couple of situations here in this church just in the last two months where people were in need and they needed money. And you guys stepped up and it was really cool. The one situation we gave within $17 of the need. And uh, I thought, huh, that's pretty good. Considering I didn't say who it was or the dollar amount. Just if you can help this person in the church and you guys got within 17 bucks and i'm sitting there going oh, that's all right that's, that's not bad see now if i'd have give then i'd have gave 17 no just kidding <laughs> i don't give i just tell you guys to do it now listen uh, uh, but so, so it, it helps we help one another we are brothers and sisters and we will spend eternity together okay which brings me to what i want to look at this morning Verses 16 and 17. Giving is submission. Giving is submission. Uh, we're, we're looking at this and we see how God wants to meet the needs of his children. Okay. Submission is key. If your heart is being moved by God, then one of the things that you're going to understand is that you are submitted. All right. We struggle with that. We struggle with that. I first started attending this church. We were congregational rule. Okay. Congregational rule does not lend itself to submission. Okay. And, and, and what you will find is, is that the body of Christ is not a democracy. Okay. It is ruled by a king. Okay. Christ. Is the ruler of the church. Did you know that a king very seldom ever says, what do you think? <laughs> okay. I, I, you just don't run into that a lot. Okay. Um, and when you're all knowing king and all powerful king, you're never going to hear that. Okay. I have never had my Lord in fervent prayer ask my opinion. All right. Now, he's told me to shut up a couple of times, 
But he never asked me, well, what do you think about this? In this context, Paul is speaking of the church leadership. Can I, one of the things I want you to think about church leadership, because you can look at all the scandals right now and say, why in the world will I want to listen to those guys? And we'll make all of the excuses you want. Okay? There are scandals. I'll give you that. But there always has been. Alright? I mean, Paul said that he was abandoned because Demas loved the things of the world. I mean, so you, you, it's not like it's a, wow, it's a new phenomenon. No. It's, it's, it's been going on. When I think about this text, though, I think about, are we submitted to the spiritual leadership? Okay, now you can mill that around a minute. Um, Because if you are, then you trust that leadership is God's man. You got that? Okay, I now listen, I have seen the corruption of it. You'll hear the phrase, well, he was a natural born leader, which probably means he won't work in church. Okay, if he's doing it himself. When I think about stewardship, when I think about giving, whatever it is that I'm giving to, I should always ask this question. Whatever the project, who's behind it? I had the benefit years and years and years ago to get on on the ground floor of the promise keepers. Okay, we had a meeting up in Boulder. We met with Coach McCartney and his pastor. Okay. (laughs) And uh, they'd had an epiphany. Okay, that men needed to bond together in unity for Christ. And that's how they started. And you're like, right on. And then the pastor, Pastor Ryle, said that God had given him a vision. Okay, immediately my little ears go, what? And he says, he calls it the anointing of the blue guitar. And he had used it with Elvis, but Elvis kept sinning, so he withdrew it. And he used it with the lads from Liverpool. And of course, they sinned and he withdrew it. And what God had told him is that he was going to remove the pastors and teachers and evangelists and was going to find a God-fearing man and would reach the world with music. Now, anybody want to know why I never got on board of Promise Keepers? Huh? Because I... I kept waiting for the punchline. You're making a funny, huh? Okay, so I did some research on him, and he was considered liberal in the vineyard church. What is that? Well, he called it, uh, he wrote a book, called it Hippo in the Garden. Made me want to be a tree hugger and protest books. Because it was, the hippo was the Holy Spirit, and he was going to rearrange the garden, which is the church. Now, that's the leadership that was behind that project. Okay? I'm not getting in that boat. Do you see what I'm trying to get at? When someone is approaching you about a project, whether it's spiritual or whatever it is, ask yourself, who's behind it? I want to give my money to people who are godly leaders. Okay? I want to see God's pastors. I want to see God's shepherds. I want to see God's overseers. Okay? Those who have been given to the church by God for the oversight of the church. Alright? That's what I look for. That's what I'll ask the questions are. What is the accountability of this ministry... To the church. All right. What is the accountability of the elders? 
What is the accountability of the godly men? Are these men of sound theology? Are these men who understand Scripture? Are these men, do they bow down to Scripture? Okay, I know people who know Scripture well, but they're always arguing with it. And that's, that's a losing battle. Are these spirit-filled men? Are these men who you can see day in and day out walking with Christ? That's the issue. That's the issue. Listen, brothers and sisters, there are strong leaders. There are dynamic leaders. There are forceful leaders. There are clever leaders. There are ingenious leaders. There are creative. I hear another pastor praying for creativity in his Christmas message. I'm going to jail. There are powerful leaders. There are powerful communicators. There are motivators. There are mobilizers. They can and they will line people up by the thousands. The question is, not what is the power of the man, but what is the collection of leadership that has spiritual oversight for what is being done? What are they like? Okay. So when I think about submission, it's, it's very interesting because technically your leaders should be a little more in tune to the things that God's going on and are paying a little more detail and a little more attention than the normal person of what is God doing and wanting to be involved with. There's a text that's very dear to my heart, 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verses 12 and 13. It's an interesting text. But we request of you, brethren, that you appreciate those who diligently labor among you and have charge over you in the Lord and give you instruction, and that you esteem them very highly in love because of their work. That's a fascinating text, okay? because that's what the church is supposed to be doing. But if you take it back to the original language, you'll see that you esteem them. You know what that means? Well, we said, well, yeah, you give reverence to them. That's not what the word in the Greek means. Word in the Greek means you get to know them. I've had people leave the church because they say, well, he didn't get to know me. Well, let me ask you a question. Okay. Purely analytically. As small as this group is. Okay, is it easier for each one of you to get to know me or me to try to get to know each one of you? Right? But see, we set with our Epsilon, Gamma, Omega and say, well, he didn't get to know me. Perhaps you didn't get to know me. Okay, and it says you appreciate him. You appreciate it. I, I have watched, even in this church, leadership problems. Okay? And um, they're treacherous. They are absolutely treacherous. I have seen it happen in big churches and little churches. I don't know a church right now that at some point didn't have a leadership issue. So when a church has good leadership, I don't think the churches normally realize how blessed they truly are. Because I've seen it. I've seen it over and over and over again. And when you have a group of godly men, all seeking the face of God, all in the power of the Holy Spirit. Wow. It's amazing. It's amazing. Listen, God set it up that our primary giving should be to the local church, correct? All right. This would be important then that you know the leadership. Okay. You know the leadership. When I get involved with ministries that we have reached around the world, that's the first thing I did. I want to know your leadership. I want to see your leadership. I want to talk to your leadership. 
And I was like, oh, this is cool. And those are the ones that we plug into. Godly leaders will be unanimous. Always. Did you hear me? Godly leaders will be unanimous always. And you know what? If they don't agree completely, they don't do it. Okay? And there's no anger. There's, they let me down. I had a vision and they missed my vision. And that's the way it works. I have seen this. I've experienced this. Listen, the Holy Spirit, Holy Spirit-filled men are going to be unified because the Spirit is in control of them. All right? The Holy Spirit is never divided. Never. That's why when we have our budget meeting... You had an opportunity, every one of you, to come and be a part of it. All right? Now, all you're going to do is say, here's what our, the leadership has concluded. This is what we're going to do now. All right. So now you're in on the game. That's all it is. All right? I have never, we do not have secret budget meetings. Okay, we just don't do it. All right. And, and it, you know, and I watch people who, do, who, who come up with this. God did. <laughs> who? Where was he? All right. God has one will. God has one mind. And godly men must discern his will. And you know what? I'll be honest with you. There's time. It's a wrestling match. All right. I know none of you have ever wrestled with the will of God. I do regularly. Okay? Because there's times you're sitting there going, what? See, listen. I am protected. All right? By God to start with. My second thing is, is that I am not afraid to ask questions. And I don't care how stupid it is. All right? I'll ask. All right? Because I know I am not the brightest bulb in the package. So ask. This is not hard. Then I actually have an insulation because I have no way to get to the funds of the church. None. I can't write a check. You know, I do have a Home Depot credit card on the church. But there's just almost so much you can buy with that. <laughs> I mean, you know, I, there's some cool stuff at Home Depot, but ain't that much cool stuff at Home Depot. <laughs> Let's be realistic. Usually if you buy something at Home Depot, that means you have to work. Okay, so why would I want to go buy something at that store? Okay. It's easy. It's easy at times in our, our lives, in our society to just flat out charge ahead. Okay. But you know what? Unity is easier when the unity is patient. You understand that? Um, when you involve patience into whatever the decisions are. Um, I, I have stuff right now. I have a whole folder of things that I would like to see us get involved in. I mean, a big old folder. Okay? We don't have the money. I look at it. I pray about it. And I, Lord, when your timing comes, your timing comes. See, listen. When godly leadership is collectively unified, all right, the glory of God is seen. You ever think about that? Because let's be realistic. If you take humanity right now, getting them unified is a little tricky. All right, we call it war. And when the people of the congregation can see the glory of God through the unity and the patience of the leadership, what does their confidence do? It grows. 
Why? They can say this group of men that God has placed is walking with God and I can be confident when they ask to give that it's legitimate. Spiritual leadership is the is the 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 most mature okay will be the most tested all right they're going to be the most godly they're going to be the most careful okay they will be the most knowledgeable and when it comes to the word of god they're going to know okay there's things that you guys know that i don't even want to know okay But I spend an awful lot of time in the book every day. And those who will know the mind of God are the ones that he's looking for leadership. Isn't that what we should do? Isn't that what should be important to us? Isn't that what's urgent? You know, we're going on Wednesday nights. We're uh, studying First Timothy. We're in chapter three. And it says uh, uh, this is a trustworthy statement. Okay, read that. Well, you know, we read it. This is trustworthy. Any man who desires to be an elder, this is an admirable thing. And we read it and said, well, that means that a guy who wants to be an elder should have a desire to do it. But he says it's a trustworthy statement. And it's almost like it's a creed. He uses it one other time in chapter 1. This was a trustworthy statement. You know what he says? Christ came to die for sin. Ooh. This is a trustworthy statement. A man desires to be an elder is on the same level as... Christ died for sin. Ooh. All of a sudden it takes on a whole different venue. I mean, I know guys, well, I think I want to be an elder. Duck. I'll just tell you. Had I known when they asked me to be an elder, I fought this church for four years before I became an elder. Okay. Had I known what I was getting into, I'd have never relented. (laughs) There's no way I want that. Well, you have a desire. It's a trustworthy statement that you're going to be hung out to dry and somebody's going to put a big red bullseye on you. That's a trustworthy statement. And you will be tested. And you had better know. And you had better more than just a head knowledge. It had better be a heart knowledge. Because you will know the grinder. And I try to tell people that, and they all smile, oh yeah, I'm just telling you. Because as soon as you say, I'll be an elder, you will hear a flushing sound. And now you're on a ride. What people, when, when I think about integrity in ministry, and I think about giving is submission, and it's a submission of my heart, I should always want to know Who's the guys behind the scenes? What people are behind us? Who are the spiritual leaders? What is their accountability? What do they believe? That has an impact on what they are going to do and say. I have several verses that are very dear to me after becoming a leader. That, you know, I've got a whole bunch of them, actually. One is out of Second Timothy. Paul writing Timothy, his last letter he ever wrote. Timothy is preparing to take on the mantle of the Apostle Paul and finish working where Paul was. And he makes this statement in chapter 3, verse 15. Be diligent to present yourself approved to God. All right. How can I present myself approved to God? As a workman who does not need to be ashamed... Accurately handling the word of truth. It means you got to work at it. But he makes this statement here, and this is the one that... But avoid worldly and empty chatter, for it will lead to further ungodliness, and their talk will spread like gangrene. We should pay attention to that. Why? God gave you two eyes, two ears, one mouth. What should you be doing twice as much as? Watching and listening. But what do we do twice as much as? I'll let you ponder it. 
Another text that is very dear to me is the letter to the Colossians, chapter 1, verse 28. We proclaim him, admonishing every man and teaching every man with all wisdom so that we may present every man complete in Christ. Verse 29 says, For this purpose I also labor, striving according to his power, which mightily works Within me, the word when you see labor and striving together, it is actually a veterinary term that means when a horse strains a muscle and damages it. That's what a godly leader looks like. He's willing to actually cause injury to himself in working the word of God and proclaiming it. Because see, if you do that. I know that there will be a humility of the heart, and that humility of heart means that they'll be frugal with the funds. If you're frugal with the funds, that means you are prayerful with the funds. And you already know that. You can take those four verses I just gave you out of Colossians and out of Second Timothy, you can put them together and say, that man there can be a godly leader. That means that man there is worthy of me giving money to. Listen, Paul would have had a battle in the Corinthians, you know. I mean, let's be realistic. Paul was sort of a, a dominating figure, would you say? Okay. Uh, and you'd have to ask yourself a simple question. Who's over Paul? I mean, he only went out in the desert and studied with Jesus. You know, and if Paul said, God told me, are you going to argue with him? How do you argue with that? But then the question is, you've had accusations. They attacked his integrity. How do you know you can trust him? How do I know he's such a dominating and powerful leader that he just ain't out there doing his own thing? And you know that that was being said in the church in Corinth. Humanity hasn't changed. That's why... I like this text because he says, thanks be to God. He affirms what I'm doing because of what? Well, I know, thanks be to God, but he affirms it. What I'm doing, why? Read the verse. He puts the same earnestness on your behalf, where? In the heart of Titus. You know what you have? The unity of godly leadership. Okay? Paul was a leader. He was the dominating. Absolutely. It's just like if you take the disciples. Okay? Who was the loudmouth? Peter. I mean, he just wouldn't shut up. Okay? And now, there was times he would insert his foot. But if you looked at that group, who was the spokesman? Peter, but you could also look and say, well, they're all doing things. Yeah. Paul was the leader. He had a great mind. He was a visionary. He had um, uh, he was educated. You know, he you know what? He embraced the wholeness of redemption. I mean, he was a Pharisee reaching to who? Gentiles and Pharisees freaked out with Gentiles. You know, if I talk to a Gentile, I'm unclean. Jesus comes back, I'm going to hell. Okay, but he was reaching out to... You know what? There's another thing that, I, that I've kind of coined myself. Paul embraced the wow of the church. I try to rest in the wow of the church. Okay, that's why I'm not into gimmicks. I look at what the church does and the power source that is behind it. And the only thing I can conclude is... Wow. Paul had that. He had the lineage. He was Hebrew of Hebrews. He was a Pharisee. He was tribe of Benjamin. Circumcised on the eighth day. But you know what? Titus was more like the Corinthians. I've never seen a sermon by Titus. I've never seen a prayer by Titus. I've never seen him lead a church service. Okay? He was always there just serving and serving and serving and serving. Titus was not seen as some mover and shaker in the church. 
He's just a man who loved God, a man who loved people. He knew truth. And Paul's telling us, Titus is in agreement with the plan. I have unity in my leadership. This is important. Why? It's a specific project, the Jerusalem church. And he wanted the Corinthian church to help the Jewish poor. No problem. And it was not just the passion of Paul. It was also Titus. Titus, they knew very well. Very well. And they loved Titus deeply. All right? Let me show you. In chapter 7, verse 13, For this reason we have been comforted, and besides our comfort we rejoiced even more for the joy of Titus. Read on. For if in anything I have boasted to him about you, I was not put to shame. For we spoke all things to you in truth. So also our boasting before Titus proved to be true. His affections abounds all the more towards you. As he remembers the obedience of you all. And how you received him with fear and trembling. The Corinthians loved Titus. They opened their arms to Titus. They had a reverence for Titus. They believed he was a man from God. They believed that he was the Lord's servant. Remember, the first time that this offering for the Jerusalem church was brought to the Corinthians, who brought it? Titus. He had been telling them about them. Titus had brought the first letter to the Corinthians. Titus brought the severe letter to the Corinthians. Titus had brought 2 Corinthians. Titus had been back and forth and back and forth and back and forth. From Ephesus to Corinth many times. They knew him. And Paul is saying Titus is in agreement. And you know what? That matters a lot. Okay? He gives credit to God. I like that. Thanks be to God. Why? Because God works in people's hearts. God leads people. God moves in the hearts. God expresses His will in the heart. And the Holy Spirit in the heart causes them to be unified with the will of God. And Paul knew that Titus's commitment to the project was a result of the work of God. I look at what we have done as small as we are globally. I know it's the will of God. Okay? Because there ain't no gimmicks. There ain't no bells or whistles. It's through sacrifice. And God has honored it. And we stood on one thing. The word of God. Okay. And he says, thanks be to God. Why? Titus has the same earnestness on your behalf. It's in his heart, he says. It's in the heart of Titus. Where did it come from? God put it there through the power of his Holy Spirit. Same zeal, same passion in the heart of Titus was in the same zeal and same passion that was in the heart of Paul. You know, an important footnote I would like to give you on this one, too, because we sometimes forget this. Paul was Jewish. Okay. Uh, Paul was hardcore Jewish. All right. I mean, you know, when he went to a town, the first thing he looked for was what? Synagogue. Okay. But he wore rabbinical robes. So any traveling rabbi, if you walked in and there was a synagogue, you get the pulpit. All right. Titus wasn't. Titus was hardcore Gentile. Okay, so you've got this hardcore Jew and this hardcore Gentile, and they are in agreement, absolute, with a zeal and an earnestness to do this. That shows unity. And you know what? It removes any doubt Titus... Compulsion was from God. Verse 17. For he not only accepted our appeal, but being himself very earnest, he has gone to you. Why? You know what that means? Paul didn't command him to go. Go tell them people to get on the boat again. What's the matter with them? He didn't tell them. It was Titus' idea to go. Now listen. Don't kid yourself. Titus had respect for Paul. If Paul would have commanded it, Titus would have done it. Right? 
He accepted it because he had this same passion in his heart that the Apostle Paul had. It's, it's what I call the wild church. Titus went out of his own accord. Why? He believed that it was important. So one of the things that are missing in a lot of congregations right now is they don't believe it's important. But then if you go look at the leadership, you can say, I know why they don't believe it's important. Paul was a strong leader. Paul was an apostle. He could have worked his own way. He could have been in his own ability and authority. Could have said, you've got to do this. But he didn't. That strong character was humble enough to back down, back away from this passion that he had for the church in Jerusalem and say, in patience, I will watch God work among my fellow laborers and we will be unified. And when we are unified, the church will be unified. Unity is greater. And you know what? God gave it to him. Seen in the heart of his fellow laborer. He went of his own accord. It was Titus's idea. Let me go back. Listen, I, there is nothing more encouraging than a unified leaders. It is amazing to me. I remember talking to Dr. MacArthur when they first built their church. They had this big stage platform that the pulpit sits on and the choir's up behind them. And they had gotten all the thing put in there. They didn't have a baptistry. They had this other building that had a baptistry. And he says, well, it's no big deal. What we'll do is when we get ready to baptize, we'll just uh, go over to the old building and we'll baptize there. One of the elders says, no. He says, we have this new worship center. We should have a baptistry in here. Well, they've got all the walls up. And platforms are all down and all the rest of it. And uh, he said, no, it's just not right. He says, well, I, I don't know what we're going to do. So he, the leadership, and at that time they had 60 elders. Think about that for a while. 60 men. Okay, you got one who doesn't like the plan of going over to the old building. Okay, out of 60. So he goes and figures it out. He comes back and he says, here's the plan. I'm going to put the pulpit on hydraulics. We're going to cut the center of the floor out. We'll put the baptistry in there. We'll have stairwells that go into it. When we're not using the baptistry, we'll fold the panels back down and we'll baptize right there behind the pulpit. And I'll put a hydraulic system on the pulpit so that it goes down into the floor and disappears or it raises back up. They prayed about it and they did it. Over one elder. Okay. And I thought, why would anybody in madness want 60 elders? So, <laughs> that's, you're just multiplying your problems. No, just kidding. Okay? When godly men all affirm something, godly men will move in that direction. Okay? Then you and I can give. Because then we can be assured of the integrity is the will of God. And this is what God's doing because these guys are unified. Okay? Integrity and stewardship is voluntary and it's from the heart. It is faithful to finish from the heart. It is faithful to give as one has from the heart. It balances the need in the body of Christ from the heart, and it is submitted to the godly leadership because that would be the heart action of a believer. Giving is very, very, very serious. But there's an accountability to it, and it is important that you think about that. Okay? How wondrous to share in the needs of so many with eternal treasure linked to it. As the Lord leads our hearts. Okay? That's why it is crucial. People have asked me, when are you going to get leaders? When God presents them. Okay? And um, he's also told me that I should be patient. And I am patient. Okay, because I've seen what happens if you just start sticking bodies in positions because you need a body. Okay, 
that's that's bad juju right there now. Okay, you you get all kind of nasty stuff. Okay, and that's it's just I am patient. God will provide. He knows where we're at. <laughs> knows what we're doing. That's why it's very very critical. Leadership has to be unified. Leadership has to be men who know what the Word of God says, men who have been tested on what the Word of God says, men whose faith has been proven through the fires of life, men who are mastered by the Word, not trying to master the Word. That's what you look for. Let's pray. Father, to you and you alone, thank you. Thank you for Titus. Thank you for Paul. Thank you for all the precious saints who have gone before us. And Father, thank you for those who are laboring side by side even this moment. Thank you, my King and my Lord. I praise you for your precious church. I praise you for the amazing things you've done in this congregation. And Father, I pray and I beg you to knit our hearts together in the authority of your scripture, the power of your spirit, that we are unified. We walk together, bearing one another's burdens. And yet, Father, encouraging one another, walking and loving one another. And, Father, giving as you direct each of our hearts. I thank you and I praise you to your glory and praise. In Christ's name, amen.